Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Last week we talked about a few things. One, we went to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18 that says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And we understand who our fathers are that it's referring to. That would be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and the reason that is pertinent for us today and relevant for our lives is because the scripture says in Galatians 3 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the, the blessing of Abraham now has come to us, that same blessing, that power to get wealth is just as pertinent for us today as it was for Abraham, Isaac, yeah. and Jacob. Amen, amen and amen. amen. But we have to believe that in order to receive that. Remember, it all comes by faith. Faith comes by hearing, and everything that we receive from God comes by faith. Yeah. Jesus said, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and yeah. you shall have them. So we know that faith is the key to receive everything that God has for us. But we talked about that word power. He gives you the power to get wealth, and one of the main words of that word power and its definition is the word chameleon. And what does a chameleon do? A chameleon adapts to its environment. Whatever, whatever terrain it is around, it begins to look like that terrain. And it's a, it's a defense mechanism for that creature. But we see it here that we have the power of that, the ability to adapt to wealth. It's a powerful thought. God gives us the ability to, to open up our lives to receive that that way because his covenant is, there's an establishing of his covenant in making his people wealthy. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He gives you the ability and it all comes from God and in the scripture we shall remember him. It's him, it's his gift, it's his blessing in our lives and the moment we forget that is the moment we go into trouble. Yeah. Right? right? So there's this delicate balance, if you will, yeah. that though God wants you prosperous, I always want you to remember that it's him. It's he that gives you the ability. He that gives you the power to succeed and to be prosperous. Amen. It's a, it, and it is a blessing uh, from our God of abundance who first appeared to Ab Abraham and said, I am almighty God. It's the first time the word El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, the all-sufficient sustainer introduced himself in that manner. Awesome. And as a result of and introducing himself with that name, he also pronounced blessing upon blessing and multiplication and fruitfulness. And that same blessing is on you and I today. And then we talked a little bit about John, bless you, John chapter 10, verse 10, which says, Jesus says, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the devil's MO. It always has been, always will be, to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full or have more abundantly. But the word it, remember, is italicized. So it's not about life and life and more life and more life. What he's saying is I came that you may have life and have more abundantly. Because he's showing us he's the antithesis. His MO is the antithesis to the devil's MO. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He come, Jesus comes to give life, which fixes the destroy and the uh, kill. But then to have more abundantly is the antithesis to being stolen from. Yeah. 
All right, so the devil wants to rob from you. Jesus doesn't want you to just have what was stolen. He wants to take you into abundance. All right? Amen. Amen. And remember last week, I told you we were going to begin to look at the person of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus in this area of abundance because he said, I don't do anything that the Father says not to do, and I don't say anything that he doesn't tell me to say. I'm completely under his authority. I'm not here by my own authority. I'm here by his authority. And so Jesus is the image of God, the express image of God in the earth, showing us what is really in the heart of our Father. All right? And it starts off, his ministry starts off, the very first miracle Jesus performed was a miracle of abundance. And again, we have to pay attention as serious Bible studiers that we need to look at the first mentioned things in the scriptures, all right? Uh, and this is, this is important that we look at this and study this and see what God is trying, what message he is trying to convey to us. So we're going to go now to John chapter 2, and let's start in verse 1. It says, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. So Mary presents a need, right? And that need is to keep the party going. Verse 4, Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, you heard him, his hour has not yet come. Sorry, get the Welch's grape juice out and we'll do our best to keep the party going. Is that what it says? You guys heard him. It's not as that. No, look what his mother says. Whatever he says, you do it. Right? And when she, she stepped out in faith, I love this. She heard Jesus say, my hour's not come. And she says, whatever he says to you, do it. All right? And at that moment, it became his hour. It went from not being his hour to being his hour because someone was acting in faith. It was, and, and there might be some truth to him honoring his mother, but, I mean, come on, he said it's not his hour. But you know what? Faith puts him in his hour. All right, we've talked about how faith is more absolute than the absolutes. Remember when Jesus, the woman came to Jesus begging him to come and heal her daughter? I like the King James Version. It says that she is grievously vexed of the devil. New King James says she's severely demon-possessed. Demon-possessed is pretty severe in itself, but she was severely demon-possessed. I don't know what that looks like, but I don't want to look at it. I don't want to see it. All right? I mean, she's desperate. She is, she's wanting her daughter. She can't do anything. She feels helpless. She comes to him. And, and so in the scriptures, initially says that Jesus didn't even answer her. You know why? Because she was not a Jew. And he said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. His earthly ministry while he was here, thank God his blood was for all of us. But his earthly ministry here, his teaching, his healing ministry was almost exclusively for the Jewish people. We have a couple instances where people from the outside received something from him that they did not have a right to, but they believed, they had faith, and therefore they got in on all the rights. All right, and this woman was one of those, a Syrophoenician woman, and so she's on the outside, and Jesus said, it's not right. As she kept on persisting, he said, it's not right, it's not good that I take what belongs to the children of Israel, the bread, the children's bread, and throw it to the little dogs. All right, so he ignores her, and then it seems like he insults her. Right? So, but she kept on persisting. And she found an opportunity. 
She found this opportunity. I mean, think about it. If Jesus said this, one, he ignored her. And the second time he said, it's not good that you get this, right? And a lot of people, I think, might at that moment have given up. Said, well, okay, it's the word of the Lord. He's sovereign God. He knows better. Okay. She didn't, she didn't, she, she wasn't a Calvinist apparently. And she just kept on. She just kept on. She did not accept that as the will of God. She just, she, because she had heard that he would do it. He was going around healing and he was going around casting out devils. And she thought, well, I want that too. If, if, if this guy's handing this stuff out, if he's setting people free and healing people, I'm going to get, I'm going to stay here until I get it. So he says, not right that I throw the children's bread to the little dogs. And she said, all right, yes. But the dogs get the crumbs. They sit at the master's table, and they get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I don't think it can be better said than Brother T.D. Jakes. If there's healing in the bread, there's healing in the crumbs. Right? So that's all she do. I, I just need a crumb. And then Jesus turned to her and said, Woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you whatever you desire. Well, 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 hang on a second. He just said it's not good. He just said it's not good that she gets what doesn't belong to her and all of a sudden he's saying, now you can have whatever you want. Why? Because great is your faith. Because faith is more absolute than the absolutes. We just have to dare to believe God no matter what. No matter the circumstances, no matter the obstacles, no matter the resistance. Yeah. All right? Good. God always honors faith, and Jesus honors his mother's faith as she says, whatever he says to you, do it. Verse 6, now there were there, set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. All right? Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the what? The good wine or the best wine. All right, you start with the best, and you end up at Boone's. Okay. I don't know. Heather, Heather was telling me. She knows all that cheap wine stuff. <laughs> Boons. You start off with the good wine. Well, what's the good wine? The good wine is that which has been aged through a process of time. So Jesus not only turned water into wine, he turned it into well-aged wine. Yeah. All right? In a split yeah. second, in just a split second, he offered the best. He, did he have to offer? Did Jesus have to make it the best wine? I mean, think about it. If they're already well drunk, why not just make the inferior wine? Right? But that's not the kind of giver he is. Amen. It's not the kind of giver he is. He's the God of abundance. He's the one who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. So here he is. Here he is. Showing out, as my grandma says. And when the guests have, well, then, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now, okay? So again, we, so this is the very first miracle Jesus performs, all right? So controversial, right? Especially in, in our Bible Belt area. So controversial. We've tried to wish, for many years, people tried to wish this wine miracle away. 
My question is, when I read this, and if they've well drunk, as, as, as this guy said, so well drunk that they ran out. I mean, you know, they floated the keg. And so it's, the, the party's over at that moment. And yet Jesus shows up and, and he says, all right, fill these water. Fill the water pots? How about one water pot, Jesus? Is it one? It's got 20 or 30 gallons in it. But he says, fill the water. They fill six water pots. So we have at least 120 gallons of wine. Possibly 180 gallons, if they're 30 gallons apiece. Why all this excess? Huh? He's not trying to teach people how to be winos. He's not trying to make the drunk drunker. No, what he's teaching us about the nature and character of Almighty God. That when a need is presented, he shows us how he meets a need. Exceedingly, abundantly, right? More than enough. So that we could all, will always look to him and always believe that anything is possible with our God. Yeah. So we're not living our life to just have our needs met. Now we want God's provision in our life, yeah. not just our needs met. If we just wanted our needs met, then we don't even need God. We can get a job and do that ourselves. But I want, I don't know if I, I think I'm in the right church. I want his intervention. I want yeah. his provision, his supply, that more than enough, that super abundant, that hyper abundant hyper. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 Kind of provision in my life. And this is what, this is the precedent setting moment, ladies and gentlemen, for Jesus' miracle ministry. The right out of the gate. Yeah. Wine for Everybody, more than enough, more than enough. So he's opening us up to this El Shaddai yet again, this God who is our all-sufficiency. Verse 11 says, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples Believed in him. God shows us his glory by showing us how he meets our need. And we know what Philippians says. He shall supply all of our need according to his riches. Doesn't supply our need according to the need. He supplies our need according to how rich he is. He's really rich. Why is he telling us this stuff? Why is he telling us this stuff? Hmm? For us to sit back and go, yeah, that's neat. Must be nice. Hmm? I wish that could happen for me. I've never experienced that. Hmm? Why does he tell us it's so that we'll believe it? And so if we'll believe it, then we'll live in it. We'll experience it in our lives. Now, go to John chapter 6. We're going to find another miracle, wonderful miracle of abundance. Then Jesus lifted up, John chapter 6 and verse 5. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Remember, in John chapter 2, a need was presented to him. But I like this one. Jesus sees the need and without anybody telling him. He says, we need to feed these people. All right? He recognized their need, uh, and they weren't asking him for food. He wants, to, he wants to do something for them. Verse 6, 
But this he said to test him, that is Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? All they can see is the, the lack of supply, right? They see thousands of people, five loaves, two fish. What is this amongst all these people, Lord? Verse 10, Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them, distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, what's the next line say? As much as they wanted. So he wasn't there to give them a midday snack. He laid out a buffet. And offered this, just kept bringing provision as much as they wanted. See, we can read right over that and not really get the power of this. Yeah, he met a need. No, he, he met a desire. He saw that they were hungry and he filled them up. All right? Well, here, take this piece of bread and this fish, and that ought to get you home. You probably won't faint on the way home. You've been out here a long time. No, he said, what do you want? And they ate until they were filled. See that? Verse 12. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments. Now, this is interesting, because this doesn't seem very green of Jesus. Right? Doesn't he know how much is going to be left over? Doesn't he know? Can't he make it so precise? I mean, he's already doing an amazing miracle. Can't he make it to where there is absolutely no leftovers? Every person eats the very last bite of everything, but yet there's all these fragments left over. Why all this excess, Jesus? Hmm? He wants our eyes on abundance. Yeah. His right. abundance. Yeah. Gather up the fragments that rain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets. I don't know where they got the baskets, but they got them. With the fragments of the five barley loaves, which are left over by those who had eaten. Now, apparently they ate all the fish, so there's just bread left over. There's five, 12 baskets. I think it's interesting. And I know this, I believe this is, this is on purpose on Jesus' part, that there are 12 baskets left over. How many disciples does he have? Who's going to get the, the bread? The disciples? I don't know. Or is it that boy who sowed that seed? Can you imagine? I just have a feeling that he's probably the one who was the recipient of the bread. Because there's this law, whatever you sow, that you will also reap. Right? Can you imagine the boy coming home with 12 guys behind him with 12 baskets of bread coming home? Mama, you're not going to believe what Jesus did to my lunch. I don't know. That is speculation. But I think it's, it's safe to say something like that. Yeah. Amen. Right? Just like when Jesus Amen. let the little widow put two, her last two cents in the offering. Right? Said everybody was given out of their abundance. She walks up. She puts two, her la, she empties her change purse in the offering and then walks. And Jesus is watching people how they give. There's no pressure there, right? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you on that Sunday Jesus walking up. Wouldn't you take the bigger bill that Sunday and go ahead and put it in there and let him see the whole thing? Hey, see Jesus. I am generous when you're in town. 
right? And that's what the rich were doing. They were giving out of their, showing them, you know, all their big checks and all that stuff. And she comes and she puts two, two mites or two pennies and walks. And I think it's awesome that Jesus, now we probably would have come to little granny's rescue at this moment, right? We would have said, well, Grandma, come back here for a second. Here. And dipped our hands down in all that abundance that was put in and said, here, take this. We don't want you to leave here broke. But Jesus let that little old lady walk out of there broker than the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Flat broke. I mean, just let her leave and said, wow, did you guys see that? She gave more than everybody. Wasn't that great? She gave everything she had. All right. If that got on TV today, hmm, that the preacher took Granny's last bit of money, that'd be a scandal on our hands, wouldn't there? Huh? I mean, it would be scandalous. He just let her go. Why? Because he knows the power of giving your all, of sacrificial giving opens you up to that more than enough kind of reality all right he knew that what she was about to come into was a lot more than the handfuls that she would get right there out of that offering bucket all right amen he does believe his word is true verse 14 of john 6 then those men when they had seen the sign that jesus did said this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Isn't that interesting that there's all of these things said, God is being glorified, the disciples believed on him at this miracle of abundance, and now these other ones are saying, this is the prophet, because no man can do this. No ordinary man can do this, right? And he's, this, is, this is so glorious. Now let's go to John 21. You with me still? Hope yeah. this is blessing you. It's blessing me. 21.1. We'll start there. Then uh, John 21.1. Well, I'll begin to read. It says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel, Sauce of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. You ever been on that fishing trip? But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. Then he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Oh, by the way, this is his very last miracle. His first miracle is one of abundance. And look, he's bookending all his miracle ministry with this last one. And it just happens to be a miracle of abundance. What message is God trying to get to us? They were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, don't you love John? It's the guy writing this. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, who we're not sure Jesus loved, it is, I'm just kidding, it is the Lord. 
Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and a fish laid on it and bread. I love this. Jesus is grilling. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up, watch, and dragged the net to land full, all right, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. My goodness. How God meets a need. Our God of abundance wants to show himself strong on our behalf, yeah. to those who will believe. He's, he's willing to be abundant when there's a need presented, and he's willing to be abundant because he sees the need. Yeah. Just understand, this is in the heart of God. Abundance and, uh, and, and, and blessing upon blessing, that blessing of Abraham. Why? Why is it so important? We have to keep coming back to why is this? Why is it that God is wanting us to experience this abundant kind of life, this abundant kind of provision. What's the point of it? Hmm? So that he can show his glory in the earth. Because it takes this kind, of, this kind of life to reflect the goodness and God's provision in our lives. I mean, if we weren't living in abundance, then we don't really stand out to anybody else. But when you're in partnership with God and people who know you know you don't make that much money, I know you're not that, you, you don't do that yourself, how are you so blessed? What is this that's going on in your life? Well, I'm in partnership with God. I believe in the one who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all ask or think. And when I started believing his word and believing that that is who he says he is, then something started happening. Something started breaking open in my life. I can't explain it. I just know that it's real. It's a real power. It's a real ability of God. And not only is he able, but he's also willing to do it. For those who believe, remember the thing I, I, we keep coming back to in this series, it, that you always have to make, connect the dots. And that is if God says he is able, then that is also means he is also willing. If he's able, then he's willing. It's, not, it's only half the story to know that God is able. All right? But how does that really touch our lives to know that God has all this power, he's all supreme, he's all, if, it's not, if it's not involved with us, right? If it's not affecting our lives. So he's telling us that so that we'll also know that he's willing. Yeah. All right? Nobody has, I don't think any believers have a problem believing that God can. Right? Do we all believe that, that God can? I mean, across the denominational barrier, God can. God is able. God can do anything. But it's yeah. that will he do. Yeah. Right? That's where the rubber meets the road. Will God do it? Will God do it? Okay, God will do it sometime. But will God do it for me? Uh, I don't know, you know. Yeah. Right. Then we come up with little phrases like, well, <clears throat> thy will be done. I already showed you my will. Why are you saying that? Believe it. Receive it. All right? That is his will. Yeah. Right. Can you take a little bit more? Yeah. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I've got this religious heat-seeking missile tonight. And hopefully it'll find any religion in anybody here and it will blow it out of you. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor 
that you through his poverty might become rich. That you through his poverty might become rich. You know, when I first read that, I thought, well, well, I say I thought. It was that religious Eric Holler. And he has kind of a nasally voice. He says, now, Eric, that has to mean spiritual riches. That's not physical riches. That's spiritual riches. So don't get your hopes up. He was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So I did look up the word rich because I do like to study the Greek and the Hebrew and the, you know, the, the original words and their definitions. And it means to be rich. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Uh, but watch. To have abundance of outward possessions. Oh, to have a, okay, so watch. He became poor that we might become rich, that we through his poverty might have an abundance of outward possessions. Well, I didn't write it, but I sure am glad I found it. Yeah, amen. Man, oh man, if the church would really get a hold of this, we'd stop begging people for money. Stop asking, oh, please help us. The lights are not going to be on this week. Somebody don't help us. And coming up with all kinds of things. If you'll send $1,000, your grandma will get raised from the dead. <laughs> we don't need gimmicks. Huh? Just need people to believe the word, believe the scriptures. Now let's go to one more place, and I'll finish with this. <laughs> Second Corinthians 9, just one chapter over. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That's good, isn't it? So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. How are we purposing in our heart? Sparingly or bountifully? Not grudgingly or of necessity. Well, they need the money at the church. Probably ought to put something in the offering bucket this week because it's the right thing to do. Need to do something. For God loves a cheerful giver. So this, this goes from, from being a, a grudging obligation rather to a glorious obsession. Hmm? We don't need to give with a grudging obligation but with a glorious obsession because we are so grateful for this God who came to this world and showed us what he's willing to do for us. Why? Because he loved us. Yeah. Not because, yeah. not by works of righteousness that we have performed, not, by, not because we got his attention by doing good. No, we weren't doing good. We were helpless, hopeless, without God in the world, the scripture says. And when we were in that condition of sin, Christ made us alive. God made us alive with Christ and seated us in heavenly places far above all principles. Wow. He did that. God who justifies the ungodly. Yeah. Only God can do that. So let each one give as he purposes and not grudging or necessity for God is a cheerful giver. The word cheerful means prompt to do anything. 
God loves some, a giver that's prompt to do anything. There's no hesitation. Yeah. The Lord tells you to do it. He speaks to you or, or not even tells you to do it. You just do it because you want to, because you're that ready. You see a need, somebody shows, you just prompt to give. There's no hesitation on your part because you understand that when I sow bountifully, when I'm always giving, that it comes back to me in that same manner. Yeah. All right? So you're, you're not worried about running out of supply yeah. ever. Amen. All right? And God is able. Here we go. Yeah. If he's able, then what? Then he's willing. Yeah. God is able and God is willing to make all grace abound. The word abound means to exceed a fixed number of measure. To exceed a fixed number of measure. In other words, limitlessly. All right? He is able to make all grace abound or be limitless toward you that you... This is, this is so much here. Having all sufficiency in all things. Are you catching this? He's able. So it's like he's throwing this, this little bait out there at us. I'm able to, to cause you to have all sufficiency in all things. Yeah. Who will believe this? Who will really believe this? Right. Able. To make all grace, that you having all sufficiency. The word sufficiency means, I love this. You might want to write this down. A perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. A perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Wow. Anybody want to have that going on in your life? Yeah. All right, he's able that you always having all sufficiency, that you always having a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed in all things. May have, he's not through yet, may have an abundance. That sounds abundant already. If I have all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. In other words, you know what that scripture just said? I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. That's it in a nutshell. You have all sufficiency in all things. You have no need or support so that you live in this abundance, and you're able to do every good work. You're able to give on the spot without hesitation. You're prompt to do it. You're a cheerful giver because it's flowing, overflowing out of your life. See, that's why we have to believe in this God of abundance. Because he don't want you to live a, I just want my needs met kind of life. Amen. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. That's talking about you, not God. He has given to the poor. That's talking about you, not God. His righteousness endures forever. That's, that's a direct quote from Psalm chapter 112. All right, I think it's verse 9. Bring that up just, just to make sure I'm right. Psalm chapter 1, I forgot to put it in my notes. Psalm chapter 112 and verse 9. Please be right. Somebody pray. Look at that. He has dispersed abroad. He has, now, this whole, the, mo, a lot of this chapter is talking about the righteous in the earth, which is you. All right, so I want to encourage you to go home and read Psalm chapter 112, all right? And this is, one of, this is the characteristic of the righteous. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. Wow. 
So he's saying that you may have an abundance for every good work as it is written. You'll see needs and you'll be able to meet those needs. You'll just disperse abroad. Disperse abroad. That, that can only come from a heart of generosity, a heart that's prompt to do anything, dispersing abroad, anywhere, anytime. Well, I don't know what they're going to do with that money. I saw that guy over in the corner, and I know he's just going to go buy liquor with it. Does the Scripture tell you to judge that way? Or does it just teach us to disperse abroad? What they do with it, that's their business. All right, we're not God. We give because we're givers. Not because we think somebody deserves it or not. Remember, none of us deserve grace. None of us deserved this, this love that God gave to us. None of us deserved it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So give to the guy. All right? Give him a break. So what if he goes and buys liquor? That's, that's not the issue. All right? Did they need more wine at the wedding? No. But did he bring it? Yeah. yeah. Right. Why? Because he's a giver. We give because we're givers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. All right. I run off and leave you there. Now, he who supplies, verse 10, seed to the sower. Did you see that? God provides seed to who? You're not going to have seed if you're not a sower. He provides seed to the sower. The one who's willing to disperse it abroad. All right? And bread for food, supply, and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. All right? So God wants to get it to you and he wants to get it through you that he may be glorified in the earth. Yeah. Right. I want to read the Amplified and we're done. Listen to this. And God is able. You can just, just, just listen to this. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. Thank you that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. You are our great God of abundance. And Father, help us to rise up in faith to believe that, to receive that, to not only understand and be satisfied with that you are able, but you are willing, and you're willing for me. Say, he's willing for me. God is abundant to me. God is abundant for me. God wants to bless me more than I could ask or think. And I receive that. I receive all grace. 
Let it abound to me, God, that I may have all sufficiency in all things, that I may have an abundance for every good work. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for provision. Thank you, Lord, for opening up doors, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When you open doors, no man can shut it. I thank you for your favor that surrounds all of these loved ones, Lord. Like a shield, as Psalm chapter 5 says, you will bless the righteous and with favor you will surround them as with a shield. I declare what Proverbs 3, 4 says, so shall they find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Father God, let your light so shine through them, Lord, this light of abundance and blessing, Lord. Let it break open on every side, hallelujah, that, that they spare not, that they, that they, they, they widen their stakes, Lord, they, they, they open their doors, they, they widen their walls, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for expansion and increase and multiplication on every side, Lord, in all things, Father, so that we will be a true testimony to a God who is intervening in our lives in every detail, in every way, spiritually, solely and physically in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that you are able to do this and you are willing to do this for your people. Lord, help us never to get lazy and sluggish when it comes to living this abundant life that you came to give us and that you, let, you paid such a costly price to get it to us. That you, through your poverty, Lord, you became impoverished and an exchange was made. And yeah. we became rich. Thank you for that. And we received that tonight. Help us to, to lay aside every religious, stinking devil, religious thought that would keep us from enjoying this abundant life that you came to give us, Lord. Thank you, Father. I thank you that you bless the, the work of their hands. You bless their work. Lord, you bless them on their jobs. You increase them. You promote them, Lord. Lord, as they're faithful to do what they know to do in the natural, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you put your blessing up on it. And I declare over them that they shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Their leaf also shall not wither, and whatever they do shall prosper in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, because the Word of God is so imminent in their lives. It's so involved in their lives, Lord. They, they give attention to it. They declare your Word, Father. They shall make their way prosperous, and then they shall have good success. I pray as the Apostle John prayed, Lord, that they would, they would, they would uh, prosper and be in health even as their soul prospers. Thank you, Lord, that the, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Hallelujah. Thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, that it is a limitless life with our God. All we need to do is believe it and receive it. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.